0: This is transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your Sass. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer,
1: and I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. You're uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just go with it. Follow along as we build transistor.fm. Happy
0: happy blurs day.
1: Happy blurs day. Oh yeah, you were you were introducing this concept to me. What is a blurs day?
0: Uh blurs day is basically the fact that every day is the same. <laughs> and I have, I never have any idea what day of the week it is anymore. And someone somebody told me, "Hey, it's it's blurs day." It's
1: blurs day. <laughs> Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Nah, it's just blurs day.
0: Blur's Day. <laughs> Day, Happy Blur's Day,
1: Happy Blur's Day. What? Uh, well, we have to know what today is, though, because tomorrow we have a a pretty big launch.
0: Yeah, we're uh, launching a new dashboard. I suppose you want to call it um, a reworking, a reimagining of the dashboard. Yeah. Essentially, um, all the same features with a couple couple new things, but um, much improved uh layout i think and mobile capabilities on your phone or ipad is going to work a lot better and actually be you know functional
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: um, so yeah it was a it was a it was a long a long haul um you know due to personal things that happened in the beginning of the year and then obviously the pandemic hit so it's just like yeah it's it's taken much longer much much longer than I had anticipated I think but I think it came out in a pretty good spot so
1: Yeah yeah we we sent a little preview to uh our email list and the feedback's yeah. been really good so far.
0: Yeah it should be should be good. Um well yeah the guts of it are um we're making use of Tailwind CSS and Alpine which is another kind of JavaScript. I hesitate to say framework.
1: Mhm mhm. Uh
0: I don't know utilities JavaScript utilities maybe.
1: Yeah yeah
0: uh, that make that make a lot of, I don't know, interactions nice and uh, nice and easy and fun to uh, fun to program.
1: And and you said like the the payload size is like way way down too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. For the actual dashboard itself, um, yeah, I think the CSS is eighty three percent smaller. Wow. And see, the JavaScript is like forty percent smaller. Nice. Which you know. Most people won't notice, but it is it has a benefit of I think initial page loads being faster and also us using less bandwidth. So yeah, it's always good.
1: It's a good thing.
0: So always good. So yeah, and it'll uh, it'll you know allow us to kind of move forward a little bit faster now with some with some new features I think we've been waiting on building. So
1: yeah, if folks want to check that out, go to transistor.fm slash changelog, and you'll be able to see all the new stuff that we released there. And if
0: you're if you're a customer by the time you listen to this it should be out barring any sort of catastrophe. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. hopefully hoping to have it live on Wednesday the 13th. Yeah.
0: And and you have a uh, a special guest today. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, so one of the things you had mentioned was hey, we should highlight you know listeners of the show that are in earlier stages than we are now. Uh, Again, there's not much to talk about with Transistor these days uh, because so much of the, you know, the real story is building the SaaS. And uh, Simon Bennett reached out to me. He's been a longtime Patreon supporter and just friend of the show. And he just today gave his notice at work for, so he could go full time on his project. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and his project is snapshooter.io, which does automatic backups for digital ocean. So, uh, I'd love for folks to like go and visit, uh, Snapshooter and help Simon out as he's launching this new thing. If you know anybody that needs this, definitely check it out. But yeah, this, this is good because it really, it it just transported me back to being in his position, two young kids going full time, all of the anxiety. So yeah,
0: that was an exciting, an, an exciting time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it a listen. I think we're going to have to back up a bit because I'm trying to remember when you started Snapshooter. What year was that?
2: That was 2017. February of 2017 is when it started.
1: So it's only been 3 years. 3 years. Yeah. yeah. And it's and what was do you remember what was the impetus for that? Like had you tried other things before Snapshooter or was Snapshooter like your first real product?
2: Um, I had tried a million other things before building Snapsheeter and way more complicated projects, in fact. And Snapsheater was just, it took a week to build and uh, it was really simple compared to everything I've done in the past. But I actually managed to get it on in the market. And, you know, I emailed you and you became a customer as the first customer. Oh, I was the first customer. You were the first For customer. Snapchat. And and so why? how did you even get the idea?
1: Because it. it it's essentially backups for DigitalOcean, right?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got the idea because where I was working, they had a whole bunch of um, WordPress servers. Like they'd just give each client a new WordPress server. And these people weren't really paying very much. So their servers weren't really being well maintained. And the WordPress installs were really old and they were getting hacked. Um, so I sort of came up with let's just do more regular backups. So I looked at uh, ways we could do that. We could either go into all of the servers and set backups up, or DigitalOcean had weekly backups. And then I discovered that they actually allowed um, sort of ad hoc snapshots when you want, and that's how the sort of the first scripted version of Snapshooter was built, was just as a, as a big old bandage for fixing these yeah. WordPress servers.
1: Oh, you know, what's, you know what's interesting about that is I hadn't even considered the WordPress angle. Mm. But it makes a lot of sense in that context. If you have a WordPress site and it gets hacked, the first thought you have is, okay, well, can I just roll back to yesterday?
2: Well, yeah, exactly. You could basically roll back pre um, your vulnerability, patch everything up, and be golden again. Obviously, not the best yeah. way to run servers. It's very like retro instead sort of proactively fixing these issues, but it was a quick way to basically manage a whole fleet of servers um, and not, as I said, Dave, these people weren't paying very much anyway. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and w- was the day job, like, is your day job uh, a an agency that was building WordPress sites?
2: Not particularly, but over the course of doing development for startups over the years, it ended up sort of accumulating uh, WordPress sites. So, I mean, maybe in the past they had. So they they did have just these old clients who'd been kicking about for a long time. Uh, so as I said, so their WordPress installs were really old.
1: <laughs> yeah. And- I, I mean, I think what's interesting about that is just that in uh, in Slack, in the MegaMaker Slack, mm-hmm. Val was asking, he's like, man, I'd, I'd like to know how Justin and other folks spot opportunities. Like how do, how does an opportunity kind of reveal itself? to them. And in this case, you're working at your day job, which is a great place to spot opportunities if you're looking. Did you feel like, oh, wow, this is an opportunity that's really revealed itself? Or were you just kind of like, oh, I'll try, I'll build something and maybe, you know, some folks will want to pay for it.
2: Mm. So I'd obviously been trying the products before. So I had sort of in the mind of trying to build a product and then because it had been so fast to build to build the first version of just some scripts for this one thing and then to build a web application around it that took like another week and then to add the billing in it was it was all ve- like relatively quick task to do so they're sort of there I didn't actually imagine huge opportunities I mean maybe in my mind I was like oh if I could get every digital Ocean user for a pound that would be millions of yeah. pounds but it wasn't yeah, it yeah. was it was so quick and easy to get started that, you know, like, wasting two weeks wasn't wasn't going to be a huge sunk cost. Yeah, it wasn't going
1: to be a big deal.
2: Yeah. So I didn't go the route of getting, like, doing the market research and all this stuff. It sort of dived straight into, here's a solution. And then very soon after releasing, did it start to get manipulated by feedback to sort of form into what it is now. but Yeah,
1: I think that's all. I mean, when I talk about spotting opportunities, mm-hmm. it's not like a giant research project I'm talking about. I mean, it can be. It can be years and years of observing and taking notes, and maybe they're just mental notes. But it can also just be you're at work and you go, oh, wow, well, that's crazy. You know, like there's high-end services like WP Engine that, that do automate automated backups for you, but you're like, Oh, look at this company. It has accumulated all these WordPress sites. And even that line, like how many people have accumulated many WordPress sites?
2: Well, yeah. How many people accumulated just old servers that are just kicking about? Like, you, know, you don't really want to, you're not actively managing them anymore, but you can't turn them off sort of thing. I mean, I can't, I, I tried to think how much these hosting companies make by these idling servers.
1: Oh, tons. Yeah, tons. That's that's part of the model, right? Is that you you if you want to keep it online, you have to keep paying for the server. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I mean, I've had clients that I built WordPress sites for them 10 years ago, mm-hmm. contact me and go, "Oh, my site got hacked. Can you help me?"
2: It's yeah, like, exactly. And they're like, "You haven't built them in the last 10 years, have you?" So.
1: No. I mean, some of those folks, I, when I actually look into it, I'm like, "Oh, I've been paying for your hosting and your domain name all these years i have I've just never bothered uh, yeah
2: exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> to, <laughs> but but that's the insight right there, what we just talked about mm. that's the that's kind of the insight, that's the observation of uh you know, all these folks have all these WordPress yeah. sites middling about as you said, yeah, okay. and uh, middling, that's a great word. That's a word that <laughs> North Americans don't use enough. Uh, but that's perfect for that. Like they have all these sites middling about, and if something happens to that, they're going to be upset. They probably aren't getting enough traffic to necess- necessitate moving up to something like WP Engine. Yeah, and so fine. there's this this middle gray area. And so now since you've been doing snapshooter for three years how many customers do you have by the way
2: uh there's about 300 paying customers and then um, in the thousands of um free customers so
1: okay and so have you observed other trends like are there other use cases beyond that or is that still the primary use case that's driving people
2: i say out of the people who pay there quite a lot of them are agencies but then there are people just running one project they've got a whole spat of servers um There's actually just a whole range of um, use cases now. And obviously when I started, I I thought, oh, people would probably be using it like I would. But people are using it for a whole range of basically what you would use. Um, I mean, mostly web applications, but that's kind of on um, and parcel of it, but. but but not mostly WordPress. Not entirely sure, but I, my my guts telling me not complete, not not uh, overall majority.
1: What's interesting about that is that could almost be another angle because right mm. now you have scheduled digital ocean backups, but mm-hmm. theoretically you could also be marketing to folks who just want uh, economical WordPress backups.
2: That's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or just. Yeah. To answer your question a bit more, I have a whole range of people who don't have a clue about how to manage servers and have been given Mm -hmm. them all the way up to people who have lots of knowledge about it, but you just want that extra layer of protection and better than what DigitalOcean offer as backups. Because remember, they they offer weekly backups, so for a lot of people, that's not good enough.
1: That's not enough. I actually wonder also if in the age of one-click installs Mm -hmm. which is i definitely fall into this category i got our discourse forums going it's just it was just a one-click install that Mm -hmm. automatically provisioned the server did everything and i i still like i use laravel forge for this for my statomix site i have really no desire to manage servers Mm -hmm. i need to use them and but that opens up, I think, a lot of opportunity for folks like you to fill the gaps that s- folks like me are missing. You know, like yes. yes, it's easy for you to one-click install that, but what are you going to do after that's happened? And it, I want it feels like maybe we're even still at the beginning of that. Like for me, like it, there could be a productized service, for example, of folks that just go around upgrading software.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I guess WordPress has sort of solved that issue, haven't they? we doing automatic updates, but mm-hmm. that doesn't update the server that's underlying. and
1: Yeah. And there's also like discourse still requires uh, some manual oh, okay. work to, to yeah. do it. Um, and, you know, I could see some folks, they wanted to get started and they probably don't need someone all the time, but they might be willing to pay somebody on retainer. To mm-hmm. just be around if they need to SSH into their server and fix something, and uh, I think we're moving into this new era in some ways, right? You've got all this like no code stuff and, mm-hmm. like I said, one click install stuff, and it's powerful because jackasses like me can <laughs> can you know get started, but there's all this opportunity for technical folks like you to you know take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. All those sort of supplementary services, yeah.
1: Are you seeing opportunities like that with Snapshooter?
2: It is. I'm sort of moving into a little bit of a different direction to be a bit more generic and not entirely reliant on digitalization.
1: Okay, That's... tell me about that.
2: Um, so at the start of the year, we started doing database backups um, separate to doing a snapshot. So a snapshot is the entire server. So if you want to restore it, you've got to restore the entire server to where it was. In some senses, Mm -hmm. as you say for people like yourself, one-click restore to take you back to exactly where you were three days ago. Brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes you don't want to do that. Maybe you just want to get the database from three days ago. So you can either mess around by making a new server and pull it off, or um, that's why I started offering database backups separately, Um, and now starting to support file backups. So we're... Let's say we'll go onto the server and just pull off the WordPress folder for you, which gotcha. Yeah, will be in the megabytes range, not gigabytes of server images and easier for you to mess around with. So sort of expanding that way and kind of the vendor lock-in with digitalization isn't, you know, I've, I've had ups and downs worried about whether they'll uh, ever just do what I do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and mess it up. Yeah. I mean, you just recently decided to go full-time. I, I think you said you gave, in, you gave your notice today?
2: It's a bit of a complicated story, but I talked at the end of last month about working the whole of this month, but then I sort of did all the handover stuff I needed to do, and it kind of made little sense hanging around. So um, yes, lunchtime today, we had a discussion, and that was that. So
1: Interesting. So, so you're officially full-time?
2: Yes, Yeah. Tomorrow morning, I will be reporting to, <laughs> reporting to work. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, well, why tomorrow morning? Do you feel like you're, you're on now?
2: <laughs> I'm talking to you it's now. Re- so.
1: <laughs> it, it's, it's real right now. Yeah. And so this is three years in the making. Yes. I think there's a lot of folks that are like you that you know, have been working on something for a while. And there's always that nagging question of when do you go full time? So what went into that decision for you? Like, what made you decide this is the time?
2: So there's two things. Obviously, the financial side, which I'll we'll get into. And then um, we've COVID-19 and two children at home and my wife's on maternity leave. Um, and we've got a six-month-old and a three-year-old, which seems to be a terrible combination for staying at home <laughs> all the time. Um, I'd already had to reduce my working hours to help out a bit more, so... Especially with no sleep overnight for my wife, um, that that definitely played into it, and I definitely used that on the, when t- negotiating with my wife. <laughs> that was definitely mm-hmm. a good card to have. So yeah,
1: so so because that's another piece is if you're in a family and have a significant other, there's always that 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 conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sli- still slightly scared about that because obviously you have gone from two sources of income to one which Mm -hmm. you know I guess like a job could be taken away tomorrow but it doesn't it feels like that with the product as well so yeah so that was one factor and then the other factor is that the monthly income has grown to um, the right sort of level it's still a a huge financial cut because I've gone from two sources to just Mm -hmm. one and over the course of the three years I kind of been using both sources of income. I hadn't just Mm -hmm. put it all into savings. Mm -hmm. So the goalposts seem to constantly move. So I always said that. Like after a year, if I'd have left university with SnapShooter where it was, I would have never needed to get a job.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly.
2: Hindsight in music. So, but.
1: Did did you start SnapShooter in university?
2: No, I didn't know, but digitalization was around there. So, I mean, theoretically, it would have been partially possible. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you're still fairly young. You're you're still in your twenties, right?
2: Yeah, 28. Yeah.
1: You're 28. Ah, uh, see, you're I, I didn't even get into tech until I was 28. I see. And so, <laughs> so you're you're decades ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So there's so much in there, and especially I think the reason context matters so much when we're talking to. Folks, about you know the decisions they make and the businesses they're building, mm-hmm. is if you have kids and if you have young kids, that changes a lot of the stuff right there. Yes. Right, you if it was just you in uh, uh, you know a, a single bedroom apartment and your costs were
2: you know and beans I don't every know. night. So <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's a lot easier. But when you have folks depending on you. Mm-hmm. That pressure is, um, yeah, That that's a intense pressure. Yeah.
2: Still got to make the mortgage payments, the child care payments, all these mm-hmm. things. Like, yeah, I've got another three years of child care payments starting from September and a risky, like it feels a big risk. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's heavy. I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day because we've had, our kids are older now, 10 to 17. Mm-hmm. But we've had some real, uh, heartache, trouble, uh, even like g- going through that. And for me being a young dad, being exactly where you're at now, I just remember in my wife's case, she was experiencing all the difficulties of having given birth and mm-hmm. having, uh you know uh the baby blues the the depression that can sometimes happen after yes. that being stuck inside with these small very needy uh, human <laughs> beings and that's a huge emotional toll on them and then on the provider's side whichever partner's doing that there's this other pressure and it's so much pressure on both individuals And each is almost so desperate to, uh, desperate in the sense that it's a lot of stress that it's hard to sometimes negotiate the two, you know, like, yes, the the husband is feeling like, or sorry, it might not be the husband the, the spouse who's providing is feeling like, I am so stressed out about the mortgage and feeding these kids and paying for diapers. And the other spouse who's taking care of the kids is like you don't know what it's like to be inside with a toddler all day who won't eat their oatmeal
2: (laughs) this has literally described our day (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Uh, Yeah, and and when you whenever it comes to decision making you've both got your your opinions about what matters at the moment and you're like i can can just see the bank balance (laughs) mm -hmm. so so yeah Yeah. so i've had to you know we've had to make a few sacrifices. I had to cancel my Patreon subscription with you guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, that's good.
2: Yeah, so I thought it made sense. I, it was a little earlier than I wanted to, but by cutting, cutting a whole bunch of stuff, it should, it should work. If not, yeah, I've been I getting mean, a consulting job in three months time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the that's actually a good point too. We should talk about that. I wrote this post called. Let's talk about startup costs. And I remember early on getting this advice from folks who were well-meaning, but I I think the advice was misguided, which was don't waste your time trying to reduce expenses. It's far easier to increase revenue than reducing expenses. And I mean, especially with SaaS, it's just not super easy to increase revenue that
2: fast. No, no. You need months of time to, to sort of get the compounding effect. So, yeah. I had exactly. A, yeah. I cancelled HREFs, which was like a couple, hundred dollars a month. I cancelled the pension, mm-hmm. which was 400 pounds a month. So that's now suspended for six months, which is probably not a long-term financial decision, but short-term. And then I just went through all the little services and bits like that. So there was... It was actually, you know, transpired to be quite a significant saving uh, with significant sort of sacrifice. But
1: how much total? Like, how much was the total savings? Do you think? I think nearly a thousand pounds a month.
2: Wow! So that that includes stuff personally as well. But yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that is significant if you think about it—a thousand pounds. And that's so that's 12,000 pounds a year.
2: The exchange rate fluctuates so much.
1: Yeah. So in US dollars, (laughs) that would be nearly 15 grand. In Canadian dollars, (laughs) that's almost 21 grand. Now, that's the other thing you could have done, Simon, is you could have moved to Canada. Yes. And then your dollar just goes that much. That much more,
2: I see. But <laughs> well, at the moment, with COVID going on, the actual dollar is worth a lot more compared to the pound. So that's there has <laughs> been a like a a small increase in monthly income, which could all reverse. <laughs> well, th- this
1: is actually a thing. I mean, and this is why it. I'm somewhat joking, but for Canadian entrepreneurs selling primarily to the U.S., but also just using the currency of the internet, which is the U.S. dollar, makes a lot of sense because, you know, in the last year, it's really gone between 30 to 40% on the dollar. So Mm -hmm. that's like getting a 30 to 40% wage increase. It's like getting a 30 to 40% boost in revenue. And that, you can't, I mean that would be very difficult to do on your own. Just like if you had a thirty to forty percent increase in MRR in a month, that would be a very good month, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. And so, and so, one of the places we have leverage is if you don't live in the United States, or you can move somewhere like Canada or somewhere. I mean, there's there's currencies. I'm sure uh, you know in. Uh, in Indonesia, that are even better. But th- this is some of the arbitrage you can do that will help, and it certainly helped us. I mean, to turn a thousand dollars US into thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred dollars Canadian was a huge help to our family when we were getting started.
2: I mean, it could go the other way, though, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. The thing is, in Canada, it rarely does. In Canada. Oh, it's it's almost always the U.S. dollar is more, and they we we control the central bank here. Purposefully keeps it that way because oh, see, we're okay. s- such an export driven economy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean in in the UK, are are you right in London or where are you at?
2: Uh, I'm in Norfolk, which is um, a couple of hours northeast of London.
1: Okay, and what so, what are the?
2: Is it an expensive place to live or? Locally, you could go both ends of the spectrum. So there's quite a lot of rich areas in Norfolk. And then in the actual city, there's quite a lot of uh, cheaper places.
1: I think the other thing for you that you should be encouraged about is when I made the jump, I had just published Marketing for Developers, which was a book and a course. And the problem or the challenge with that kind of product is it was very launch-driven. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't like, I didn't make... Adam Wathen money when I initially <laughs> launched it. I, I think they make sense with, if you can make a ton of money in your first year, then it makes sense to launch a product like that. And I would, you know, trade places with Adam any day. because Is that now
2: a term? Adam yeah. Money Adam, Wathen,
1: <laughs> Adam Wathen money. I think it's instructive though, because in some ways, like getting to know Adam and Taylor Otwell opened my eyes to this idea of you know I thought I was doing pretty good because I was working super hard, but doing you know four or five launches a year to make what i what ended up being i don't know two hundred thousand dollars Canadian a year to realizing, oh, wait a second, there's bigger markets, and there's also just more sustainable business models and sas, even when it's um you know even when it's low, at least it's dependable, so you yes. have a pretty good yeah. idea that again, unless Digitalocean decided tomorrow to cancel everything and and not allow services like yours, you're pretty safe revenue wise, and I think that's for for Especially folks with families, I wish what I'd done is I had maybe invested in software earlier. And I mean, I, there's, no, there's no perfect answer here, though, because if marketing for developers had made, I don't know, 500 grand in its first year, then it would have been a different story,
2: right? You might not have made Transistor, you know?
1: I might not have made Transistor. That's exactly true. Yeah so and and so what are what are your kind of your stretch goals now that you 've gone full time what's the i i don't i don't want you to have to talk about specific numbers if you don't want to, but do you have an idea of like what by what percentage you need to increase mrR to
2: really feel comfortable? I think about ten percent to get would be comfortable, and twenty percent is of the goal by the end of the year to get that would be back to like to starting to have those creature comforts and stuff. So,
1: okay. So, 20%, yeah. if you increased MR 20% from what it is right now. Yes. You would be, wow, that's, I mean, that seems doable. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't seem that the other challenge I think I, I thought when I talk to folks is they go, you know, they'll quit their job and then they'll go, well, this thing needs to grow by 300% this year for me to make it work.
2: It's, and <laughs> It's interesting because I asked other people about this, like people had done the transition and I was, it was people who had done the transition at the beginning. Like they'd gone, got a whole bunch of savings
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: just, both feet in yeah, and had no, no income. Yeah. And then we're going that way Well, I've gone completely the other way, just like dipping my toes for the last three years. And now it's, now it's the time to dive in, but I'm diving into. I don't know. You love analogies on this, but a warm pool.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. It's kind of like. Um, yeah, I don't know what the an- analogy <laughs> is either. But you're you're warming it up gradually. I think is the better answer. Yes, because it's again specifically with SAS, it is unlikely that next month is going to be that much worse than this month. Now, we can talk about COVID-19 in a second. Um, John and I, the question we asked ourselves when the pandemic hit was, at this point, would we be okay if we lost 50% of our revenue? And we wouldn't be happy about it, (laughs) but we could lose 50% of our revenue and um still be doing reasonably well uh now when you're starting out like you are you don't you're not quite there but uh did you did you see any drop with the pandemic or Uh, has it been pretty steady
2: it's been steady so this year okay since january sort of things have been looking a lot better i've been putting a lot more time in um and i haven't seen any obvious decreases where well. I've had a couple of customers say that they're just sort of um, managing their expenses and, you know, see you in the future sort of thing, but um, not, not mass churn or something.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's encouraging too, because
2: there I guess are... turning off backups is something that's probably has some sort of emotional or like fear factor about it. So
1: yeah, you're in that category of we need this like, we need to continue to have backups. Mm-hmm. So, I can see, I can see, yeah, w- once you become a part of the like that, that, that base layer of we just need to keep this running no matter what, that is a good place to be. And if the alternative is. <laughs> <laughs> the alternative is someone going, "Hey, well, maybe we should quit Snapshooter." But then the guys go, "Well, then we're going to have to rebuild that system ourselves, which is going to take like no yeah, one's going to want to do yeah. that." No, you, you 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 solve such a uh, <laughs> such a base issue that yeah, I I think you'll probably be fine. And we've already the most of the folks who have experienced difficulty have already seen it you know they they got a 20 to 30% drop in uh you know last month I think my only concern is more for transistor than for you my only concern is because we are in such a prosumer category i think if it continues if we continue to have folks that you know are holding on to their podcast now because you know they, they, they're they able to hold on for a month, but if next month, if things haven't improved, if they've lost their job, if, you yeah, know, yeah. then I think we could see it, but we haven't seen any really real inkling of that at all. So maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> but it, it, even when you get to this stage, Simon, it, there's still that anxiety of yeah,
2: what if is, it, what, what if it all goes away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah someone can magically take it all away tomorrow
1: yeah I'm wondering do you have any questions for me at this stage and you can think about this we don't have to ask them now but is there anything that you would want to ask me now that you've made this this switch like any kind of burning anxieties or anything that I could help you
2: with um I thought about this before the podcast. I was thinking. Uh, I, I found your discussion about pricing last week interesting. About was it last week or week before? Where you were saying everyone tells you to charge more. But mm-hmm. I've also I've emailed all the customers and asked them about the pricing, all the existing ones, and they mm-hmm. were pretty clear that nope, you're on the money there. Like that is the limit. Yeah. Because uh, that's the yeah. thing I was thinking. Like a lever to pull. Um,
1: I mean, there is a lever you could probably pull there, but. I think pricing, I don't, I mean, there's definitely smarter people than me that are thinking about this, but to me, it's pretty basic. Like if you're going to start an email newsletter app, you are automatically anchored by MailChimp's pricing, Mm -hmm. like, cause they're the biggest folks. And so unless you're doing something way more niche and way like different enough that you can you can justify charging way more. If you're an email newsletter app, even if you're better than MailChimp or better designed or have better deliverability, the anchor is still going to be MailChimp and maybe you could get away with 10% more, which I think is actually the way ConvertKit does their pricing is they just always try to be 10% more than MailChimp.
2: (laughs) Nice. So (laughs) it's like petrol stations, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes people get it I don't know people like to label things like, "Oh well, that's just a commodity product." Email is just a commodity product." and um i don't I don't agree with that either, because to me, Mailchimp is is completely a brand driven product um and in many ways, ConvertKit is as well. so i I think pricing is mostly anchored about with what's going on in the sector already, and then also like in your case. You're somewhat anchored by you you can't be more than what they're already paying for
2: DigitalOcean. No, they already have to pay the storage fees with DigitalOcean. I don't pay them, they have to pay them. And that's I think it works out at ten times more than the fees that I'm yeah. So it's like, yeah. There's a yeah, so you, you're always there. gonna be
1: a subset of that. Now, I think the lever you could pull and it's going to take some observation because I don't think people would answer a survey with this is some of those things we were just talking about, which is what's behind this, you know, like for me, what's, what's behind it is I am a one click app installer and I'm going to need other help, you know, as I go along to maintain this, (laughs) this thing that I've launched. And I think there's going to be opportunities for folks like you to, if you were going to expand your services or if you're going to do anything productized or even like automated, you could say, okay, well, let's look at the stacks people are backing up. And if 20% or 30% of those are discourse forums, maybe you could add a new one, which is we'll automatically update your your discourse uh, for you every time it happens and we'll just take care of it. If people are backing up actual applications, like they're backing up mm-hmm. their own SaaS applications, maybe there's other services you could add on top of that that, you know, uh, would be value adds for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. you could get into provisioning servers. I mean, that's that's another one. Uh, you know, there's Forge and RunCloud and other things. But... Um, if you're already you have a foot in the door because you already have customers who trust you and pay you for something, and so now yes. I think you, what you're looking for is what could you add that people would pay you for?
2: Yeah, I got I got I got a roadmap. I spent the last three months talking to essentially every single one of the paying customers about um, what they like, what they don't like, what they, you know, what would actually add value to, for them. So. That has mm-hmm. essentially shapes the roadmap, which I'm looking forward to, because at the moment, when I add a big feature, it takes three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, it a week. Like, is it? <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. A week, like, is it?
1: If it makes you feel any better, we've been working on our Tailwind UI re- oh, yeah. relaunch for a while, too. That You have to have some patience for yourself, even when you're full-time.
2: Some, some things like that, they just do take forever, don't they? It's just, you just discover stuff that you've forgotten that you have to sort out
1: <laughs> yeah and I think the other part people don't talk about is just that life happens and I think a mistake I made when I was a young dad and it's hard because you're squeezed so much as a young parent but one of the mistakes I made is I was just like well this is just what it takes and this is what it you know I there's I got a put in the hours and I've got to work as hard as I can and I was spinning my wheels. And in retrospect, a lot of that energy seems wasted because I was just flailing. And I mean, I'm a, this is a little bit unfair because my, my context has changed so much. My kids are older. They're way, way more mm-hmm. independent. And transistors uh, transistors doing well, but my days now are much more relaxed and, uh, I think you still have to have some allowance for, uh, and, and the reason we didn't get the tailwind stuff done is, you know, John had some personal stuff happen that was difficult. Mm-hmm. And then this pandemic hit and you have to give yourself allowance for the real life stuff. And in some ways that's why you're doing this, right? Like you even said, like, I want to be ha- at home helping my wife and kids as best as I can. Mm-hmm. And part of that, and it's really hard when you're at home, and you're like just trying to get in the zone and and accomplish something. But part of that is saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna go make some waffles, and you know, <laughs> wow. or t- See, take take the kids for a work,
2: walk. I already work on Snapshooter every day and get mm-hmm. time in, so I'm just sort of glad to free up.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: It could plod along how it is, and I've just freed up, you know, eight hours a day.
1: Yeah, and and just remind yourself to take some of the, take some of that time for yourself. Like yes. to 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 take some of it for yourself. Take some of it for your wife and kids. To give your wife yeah. some time by herself. Like there's all of well, these. I mean, we
2: discussed this lots. Like what you how f- more flexible it could be. And, mm-hmm. You know. If you want more help every day, you know, we're all stuck at home anyway. You know, maybe I do work on the Saturday and just, you know, balance it out that way. Or, you know, it's totally free schedule. And that was the main reason, really. Was, yeah. Oh, that, that main selling point was... Yeah, really the flexibility. schedule every day. Just what, what, what's going to be best today. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back to the routine of kids at school.
1: I like yeah. working... Yeah.
2: Nine to five. It's, it's like I like having the nice stretch of day with the.
1: It is so hard at the beginning. I, I just remember, like, for Lorinda and I, uh, we had our first child uh, when we were 22. Mm-hmm. And just all of the pressures of that, like, you have no money for a big house. So you have to live in a small house. And that means there's no good work environment. And that means. Uh, you know, your car's always breaking down. And that means like there's all of these additional difficulties being young and starting out that as soon as you get any sort of margin in your life, it it's it it almost feels unfair because all of that pain and a lot of the thrashing we do is because we just have no margin. Right. Like we're you're yeah. trying to move things around and it's like you're it's like you're playing tetris but the game's already stacked so that you know someone already played before you and there's like a bunch of mistakes made and you've got to like quickly like fix it <laughs> as opposed to just like a nice clean board where you have lots of margin and time to think about where you want to move the pieces you know
2: yeah yeah i mean i'm interested about that now with marketing as the budget has gone to zero mhm yeah rushing will be with that but no, I, I mean I've just exchanged one type of threshing for another. <laughs> In some senses, you know. Yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. So for you, for Snapshooter, let's think about that a little bit. What, 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 what has been the most effective strategy so far? Is it
2: is it mostly referral and word of mouth based? I would say primarily Google and the digitalation communities, and then one I have essentially no control over is digitalization support staff. So if you go and ask the support staff, they will go and recommend us. Gotcha. Um, and then I think that's basically it, actually. Okay. <laughs> I've not had much luck with paid acquisition or um, referral has been okay. Like Word of mouth, I think, is okay. Re- referral program has been people trying to refer themselves to save money.
1: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I've got a few ideas for you, and this first one is going to be a stretch. You might you're not going to like it, Uh, but but I'm gonna. I you're gonna have to you're gonna have to lose some of your British sensibility.
2: You can read my face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this is what I would do for you if I was you right now. Your story right now is very powerful, and if I was you, I would write. Me, Taylor Otwell, who else is on your page here, Alex Coleman, anyone that has you've you've come into contact with, and just a quick email to Taylor to say, "Hey, Taylor, it's me, Simon, just want to let you know I've just gone full- time on Snapshooter, be a little bit vulnerable. you go you know it's a little scary because I've got two young kids, a six month old and a whatever, and but I'm doing it. Uh, And then have an ask, which is, I've really appreciated when you've mentioned Snapshooter in the past, if you uh, (laughs) want to do that again, that would be huge for me right now, because I'm going full time and I'm just, you know, I I need as much help as I can get. The recipient of those emails, now, if, if I've never met the person, if they have no, if there's no, nothing in the emotional bank, I ignore them. But for someone like you, that's been engaging in the community for someone with like you, who's been sharing your story as you go along, I think it is you, you've earned the right to write those emails. And, um, those kinds of things have been very helpful for me. One, because it just lets a whole bunch of people know what you're doing
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and, Uh, I mean, you could word it differently. Uh, It could also just be, hey, it's Simon. I've just gone full-time on Snapshooter. It's a little bit scary for me because I've got two young kids. Um, Thanks for mentioning me in the past. If you know anybody that needs backups for DigitalOcean, please send them my way. Like that, just that email there, Mm -hmm. and writing it personally to all of the folks that you have any sort of personal connection with. (laughs) <laughs> how much do you hate this idea by the way right now
2: i actually really love the idea okay, a while okay. ago I actually I, th- I can't remember if it was this uh, i can't remember if she said it or someone else but was i sent an email saying uh, you know something along the lines of i'd like to i sent something along the lines of could you just help us grow our small company or something like that it was, it mm-hmm. was i thought it was a bit of a like a personal touch that just trying to grow our small business yes. into something more. yeah and that was, there, it was just actually a- quite a bit of
1: yeah, that was Justin Mares, who was doing oh, okay. it with um, FOMO. That was a talk he gave at MicroConf. And he would send out a survey, and he found that survey responses doubled when he said, yeah, can you please do that? It would help us a lot. We're a small two-person company. And mm-hmm. that line... Oh, so, yeah. and they
2: must have bubbled down through the... like
1: micro... mm-hmm. yeah. That line engendered so much support for them and that's really what you want. You want people to identify with you emotionally. Uh, I've actually been feeling like, for a while I was arguing with Tyler Tringus that personal brand doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Because statistically, when I look at just like last touch signups to Transistor, it's like, well, search is big and affiliates are big. And, you know, there's all these things that seem to be big. So, but anecdotally, in Kayako, like our customer support, when people are signing up and I ask them why they signed up, they almost always say, oh, well, I heard your story on a podcast, or I've been following your newsletter for 10 years, and <sighs> it finally came time for my boss to want a podcast, so I thought of you. And so those interpersonal connections, I think, really do matter maybe more than I've given them, you know, uh, credit for. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you reckon they will continue, or that you will get to the point where that sort of dries up? If you get what I mean, like if.
1: So I mean, we're still a new company, so I think we still benefit mm-hmm. a bit from that new company. People want to support the the little, the little underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still only two people, which I think is helpful. Like you can always just say we're a small two person company, and we really appreciate your support. That's, uh, you know, a lot of folks that means a lot to them. And I i mean, the the other thing is, for me personally, John's not built this way at all. But for me personally, I just thrive on being everywhere and being in a thousand different conversations. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm having conversations all over the web, and I'm in 20 different slacks, and I have you know, six different Telegram conversations every day, plus three more in Discord and, you know, (laughs) dozens more in Twitter DMs. All of that investment, I think, will continue to pay off. And um, so, yeah, I think that is a strategy that more folks could use. They don't have to be like me, but a good start is to write a personal email. Mm -hmm. And then I think a follow-up to that is if any of those folks are people that you want to give regular updates to in the PS, say, PS, I'm thinking about starting a monthly advisor email. Would you like me to add you to the list?
2: Okay.
1: Because then you're going to get this network of influential, well-connected people who are now engaged engaged with your story. Like, I want you to win. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I I I want you to win. And I think I'm not the only person. I think there's lots of people that want to see you win. There's reasons, there's emotional reasons I want you to win. I want you to win because I know what it's like to be a young dad. I want you to win because I've seen your journey so far. I want you to win because I think snapshooter's great. There's all sorts of reasons. And I think there folks, especially folks like you who have invested in community. And the other thing you have is you have a good product that has market demand. So if you had a product that was really kind of a dud, I think it would be harder because I would still want you to win, but I wouldn't see much hope because there wouldn't be a path forward for you to win. But Snapshooter seems like it's got traction and it seems like people want it. And I can also see opportunities for you to add to it or, you know, do other things to it and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I want you to win. I see a path forward for you to win. And then I also Mm -hmm. see opportunities for me to help. Right. And so, yeah, I would be taking advantage of that for sure at, at this stage, especially now that you've just, you've just gone full time.
2: And seize the opportunity.
1: Yes, exactly. Unfortunately I got to, I got to end this call because I got to, this is my day now is I've got, I've got uh, more calls right after you. But I will I will uh, definitely be encouraging folks to go and check out Snapshooter and uh, check you out on Twitter and all those places. I'll put the links in the show notes. And yeah, thanks for doing the call, man. Wow, well, thanks, for, thanks for the call as well. Yeah, really appreciate it. And that's it. Yeah, so I hope you folks enjoyed that again. When someone starts something new like that, I think the best thing we can do as a community is to spread the word. Here's a guy; he's just launched this thing, and um, well, he hasn't just launched it; he's been doing it for a couple of years now. But he's just gone full time on it. So, Snapshooter.io. Go and visit and uh, refer him to your friends. Tell your boss about them, uh, and yeah, hopefully get him a lot more business. Yeah,
0: it's such a it's, it's such a frightening and exciting place to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it just I, I it's so interesting hearing him and and being like, "Oh man, the, the where he is in a good spot though is recurring revenue generally builds on top of itself and so it, as long as he just keeps trucking away at it, eventually he'll have this really nice sustainable income. His goal is to just increase MRR by 20% by the end of this year. So, I think I think the build your SaaS community can help with that. I think, I mean, I would I would love to see him hit twenty percent by August, let's say. You know, Mm. like that is seems completely possible. So, if you got some DigitalOcean servers that you should be backing up, go and check them out. And you can uh, reach out to Simon on Twitter, Mr. Simon Bennett, and say hi. John, why don't you thank the fine folks on Patreon?
0: Yeah. Um yeah, as always, thanks everyone uh for supporting us on Patreon. We have a new uh patron, Bill Condo. Bill
1: Condo. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Is he in real estate? He probably isn't. Bill Condo. <laughs> thanks, Bill. <laughs> Thank you, Bill.
0: Uh we have Sophia Quintero, Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Solaire, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers. Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Pradyumna Shimbecker, Shembecker, Noah Prale, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Karkovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitfer, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buda, my brother, uh, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schukert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta.
1: Junta!
0: And Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com.
1: Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week.